Greetings and salutations, loyal listener. Welcome to From the Top, a bookcast hosted by me, Jake Lewis, where each week I choose a young adult or middle grade novel and read you just the first chapter of it. Why do I do that? Well, I hope that you enjoy what you hear so much that the cliffhanger ending of it makes you want to go out and get a copy yourself and find out what happens next. So that's what this show is all about. It's great to have you listening. Let's get started, shall we? This week, I've picked out for you a book called Operation Do-Over by Gordon Corman. I just love that author's name. I love his writing, but I love his name. Listen to it again. Gordon Corman. Something about that O-R sound in in both words. I want to say Gordon Corman. He probably wouldn't appreciate that, though. But uh, the book is called Operation Do-Over, and Gordon Corman has written a lot of books. I would say he probably does at least one of one a year. Um, and uh, I'm always pleased with his books. You know, some are better than others, of course. Can't knock it out of the park every time. But on the whole, uh, he always packs in a good story. And you heard that correctly. I try to read as many Gordon Corman books as possible. And I'm an adult and there's nothing wrong with that. It just gets back to what I've always said, folks, that this podcast or bookcast is for kids, teenagers, and adults because adults like me like to read what is classified as young adult or uh, middle grade fiction. And as long as you're reading, in my humble opinion, that's all that really matters. So uh, If this is your first time hearing a story by Gordon Corman, well, you're in for a treat. And if you've read something of his before, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm going to jump right in to chapter one of Operation Do-Over. And as is my custom, I will sometimes stop along the way and comment. Um, And then at the end of this chapter, I'll uh, give you a quick three, two, one. So here we go. Chapter one. 12 years old, October 28th. I'm standing next to the bumper cars when the first bolt of lightning splits the sky and strikes the main transformer. The explosion is like a bomb blast. I almost jump out of my skin. Oh man, I didn't even want to come to Harvest Festival. And now I'm going to get fricasseed before my 13th birthday? A blinding shower of sparks rains down on the crowded fairgrounds as the lights blink once and wink out. The honky-tonk music from a dozen different rides and games suddenly stops as the bumper cars grind to a halt. A new sound rises, screams, howls of protest, crying babies, shouts of alarm from people stranded at the top of the Ferris wheel. It's like somebody flipped the switch, sending the fair from fun mode to full freak out in the blink of an eye. Yeah, I would definitely freak out if I were stuck at the top of the Ferris wheel. That I totally get. This is not your typical beginning to a Gordon Corman uh, book. This does not feel like the uh, funny type of story that he tells. It feels like a horror story. Hopefully things get better. But the only way we're going to find out is if we keep reading. The storm comes out of nowhere. Just a few minutes ago, the sky was full of stars. Now it's pitch black, hard to see your hand in front of your face. A howling wind rakes the midway, 
we get pelted with a barrage of flying dust and litter, ride tickets, napkins, wrappers, paper cups, and straws. You try to be a good kid, do your homework, follow the rules, and what do you get for it? Blown away. There we go. There's the humor I'm talking about. Something slams into the back of my head, nearly knocking me over. I wheel, expecting to see a cannonball. Surely nothing less than that would pack such a punch. Smiling up at me from the ground is a pink teddy bear that must have sailed away from one of the game stalls. I reach for it, but the next gust of wind sends it tumbling away, where it's stomped to shreds by many fleeting feet. Oh, poor Teddy. Where does everybody think they're going? There's nowhere to go. People are running, most for the exits, but some just because running is what you do in an emergency. I catch glimpses of faces I recognize, kids from my grade. But where is she? Hold on a second now. Now we have another person involved. We have this narrator who we don't know if it's a boy or a girl or what their name is, but whoever it is, is looking for someone else, a she, maybe a mother, maybe a sister, maybe a friend, wink, wink. Let's see. She's the only reason I'm here, even though she's the reason I should be a million miles away. Oh, it doesn't sound like a good relationship, does it? I want to call out to somebody, but what could I say? And who would hear me in this commotion? Flailing legs trip each other up and bodies go down. That's when the rain comes in, sweeping across the midway, pelting rain. The water causes the damaged transformer to burst into flames, casting an orange glow over the pandemonium. Desperately, I fight through the panicked crowd, escaping behind a hot dog stand. There, I'm almost knee-deep in scattered buns, but at least I can breathe, free of the crush of people. Wires and cables swing dangerously overhead, sparks spurting from every connection. I wipe the rain from my eyes, noting that not even all the water can soften my bristly stick-up hairline. Story of my life. Mason! Comes a plea, faint in the howling wind and pounding rain. I'd know that voice anywhere. I've been half dreading it, half hoping to hear it since I got to the fairgrounds. Maybe it's that girl he's looking for. I squint into the gloom. Ava Patrakis stands at the base of the tilt-a-whirl, her drenched auburn hair plastered to her scalp, hugging her light jacket around her. I run to her underneath the big ride. It's okay. This can't last long. She looks like a half-drowned kitten. In spite of the wildness of the storm and the danger all around, my first thought is that the two of us have never been alone together before this moment. Was it really only a month ago that Mrs. Alexander introduced the new girl to our seventh grade class? With a deafening crunch, a blast of wind tears the sign off the top of the tilt-a-whirl. For an instant, the heavy metal square twirls above our heads like a piece of scrap paper. We watch it with terrified eyes. You don't have to be a science kid to know the law of gravity. What goes up must come down. Bum, bum, bum.
All right, it is time for the three, two, one portion of the show where I share three things that I liked about that first chapter, two questions I have after reading that, and one thing I learned. So three things that I liked about it. Well, I like an action-packed beginning. And I'm going to tell you, there are some times where I read a book and I say to myself, even if the first chapter starts off with something really bad happening, I know there's going to be okay. But when I read this first chapter, it sounds really bad. Like this huge metal sign is flying over their head and it's raining and people are screaming and running around and rides are stuck and the transformer exploded. That sounds really bad. So uh, I am intrigued. You might say that uh, I enjoy when bad things happen. I don't. I don't. But it does make a good story. So that's one thing I liked about it. I like a lot of the words. This is the second thing now. I like a lot of the words that Gordon Corman uses. For example, he says in the beginning, I don't know if you caught it. He says, I'm going to be fricasseed before my 13th birthday. Fricassee is the way that you cook something. So he could have said, I'm going to get cooked or fried or zapped. Fricasseed is just a lot more fun to say. Wouldn't you agree? Try saying that with me now. Fricasseed. Exactly. You're, you're smiling, isn't it? Try putting that into the next time you write a story in your English class, and I'm sure your teacher will be impressed. And there are other examples of some really great vocabulary that uh, he uses in this chapter. He talks about a howling wind rakes the midway. If you've seen a rake, when you're like you're raking leaves, you know, it's got all those little tines at the end that kind of scoop up the, the leaves or whatever you use. So picture a midway like the main walkway in a fair and the wind is like raking down it, almost like it's being pulled along by some evil force. So that was a nice image in my head. And just the sentence after that, I'll give you one more. We get pelted with a barrage of flying dust and litter. Pelted is like a, a strong hit, right? When you get pelted, you get hit really hard like from hail, um, a barrage is, it sounds fancy, doesn't it? But a barrage is like a lot of something. So my point here is Gordon Corman does not take the easy way out. He could have said, we got hit with a lot of flying dust and litter. That's not nearly as fun to listen to and read as we get pelted with a barrage of flying dust and litter. Now you might argue, no 12-year-old talks this way. And you might have a point, but I still like the words. And that is the second thing I like. And the third thing that I like is the beginning of the chapter. In fact, the chapter names. I'm not usually a fan of naming chapters. I usually think chapter one, chapter two, that's good enough. Gordon Corman does like to name his chapters, but for a reason. I'm okay with it if it's for a reason. And as I said, chapter one is called 12 Years Old, October 28th. And I like that because right away, I'm given important information about the story that I will need to know. That whatever's going to happen in here is from a 12-year-old point of view, and it took place on October 28th. And without giving you too much of a spoiler, 
this story sort of jumps around in time a little bit. So it's not like first this thing happened and then the next day and then the next day after this chapter, we go back in time a little bit. And so it's easier for a reader to understand that if they are told at the beginning of each chapter that that's what's happening. And now for two questions I have. I got a lot of questions after reading this first chapter. But the first one is, what is the relationship between Mason? That's the name of the main character, the narrator that we learn, because he hears somebody calling his name. Mason comes a plea. And then he says, I'd know that voice anywhere. So what's the story? What's the deal with he and this girl who's calling his name, which is Ava Patrakis? And you're probably wondering why I say that. I don't know. I don't know. I just felt like that's the way that you say it. Ava Patrakis. Um, it sounds like a, a love-hate relationship. Like, they're at the fair together, but he doesn't want to be there. She sort of made him come. But he also wishes that he was a million miles away and, and that he wants to sort of protect her, it looks like, from this storm. So uh, what's going on there? And then the second question is, this is a bit of a silly question, but it's a good one, I think. Has anybody ever heard of the weather forecast, right? So these freak storms don't just come out of nowhere, okay? I mean, unless this book takes place in the year 1900, before there was, you know, uh, a forecast that you could find out about the weather in advance, uh, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know. I I'm surprised that, uh, you know, this huge almost like a tornado or something uh, comes along and people are like, Oh wow. I didn't know about this one happening. All right. So anyway, that's my second question. And what is one thing that I learned from this first chapter of operation do over? Well, it is simply this, a teddy bear can really hurt you. You, and what I mean by that, I'm, I'm making a bit of a joke, but one thing as a writer that uh, is always fun is to give the reader what they don't expect. So if you remember back into the uh, the part of the chapter where it says something slams into the back of my head, nearly knocking me over, I wheel expecting to see a cannonball, right? Because it was it was hard. It was strong. It was a big hit. It was a pelt. Uh, and it turns out to be a teddy bear, a pink teddy bear, which somehow makes it even more ridiculous that it hit him so hard. Picture that in a movie, right? If uh, you're watching the scene in a movie and suddenly this character, Mason, is looks like he's been hit really hard. Maybe he stumbles forward a bunch of steps, maybe falls over and he's like rubbing the back of his head as he gets up. And then he turns around and he sees a smiling pink teddy bear as the reason for that. That's funny. And it also uh, reminds the reader that uh, it's not going to be as serious, hopefully, as it first sounds with all of this craziness happening. So I'm going to try next time that I, I write something and I like to write. I try to write as often as I can to surprise the reader when they're thinking something else. Give them the complete opposite. You should try that sometime too. See how it works out. 
And on that note, we come to the end of another episode of From the Top. My name is Jake Lewis. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to shoot me an email with a question, a comment, or a book recommendation, I would love to hear from you. You can do that at fromthetopbookcast at gmail.com. While you're at it, if you can make sure you subscribe to this bookcast to know when the latest episode becomes available and write me a quick five-star review on whichever streaming platform you are partaking of this podcast through, that would mean a lot. Again, the book was called Operation Do-Over by Gordon Corman. And should you find yourself in your independent bookstore or library and this is not available, I promise you that if you pick up any other Gordon Corman book, you will be as equally pleased with it as you would with this one. Until next time, my name is Jake Lewis, and I will see you from the top.